Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Today is March 24th, 2022, and our first story, two of Russia's highest ranking officials, the only two other men with Russia's nuclear football have vanished from the public eye, sparking fears and paranoia that Putin may be consolidating power to launch a nuclear strike. But maybe it's just that fear and paranoia. We'll get into what might be happening and what a nuclear bomb explosion would actually look like in our next story. Redditors. Got a bunch of Ukrainian soldiers killed by posting selfies and videos revealing their location. And in our last story, the Washington Post claims Republicans claim that they're not treating Judge Jackson like Brett Kavanaugh was treated, but in fact are treating her worse. Sure, the media lies and Republicans just have no spine. Now, if you like the show, leave us a good review, give us five stars and share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Talk of nuclear war has been on everybody's minds because Vladimir Putin has put his country on high alert and even threatened that they could use nuclear weapons. Now, we don't know exactly if that will play out, and a lot of people believe it can't. But the New York Times recently wrote that it won't be like you expect it to with intercontinental ballistic missiles. Vladimir Putin, Russia, could actually use smaller tactical nuclear weapons with lower yields for strategic purposes. Thus, we could see the beginning of nuclear warfare that does not involve mutually assured destruction. The Daily Beast responded by saying there is no such thing as a small nuclear strike. If Putin uses a tactical nuke, it's World War III. I want to say before we get started, everybody, including myself, Vladimir Putin will not invade the eastern regions. Okay, he's sending in peacekeepers. Vladimir Putin would not invade Crimea. This was back in 2014, and then he did. Vladimir Putin's not going to invade Kiev, and then he did. Okay, well, he's not going to go as far as Kharkiv or or Kiev. That would be crazy, and then he did. Now we're seeing attacks in the west of Ukraine and Lviv. It is entirely possible that what we think is not possible actually is. And so this is not about fear-mongering. This is not about optimism bias. There's a middle ground. You don't need to go screaming and shrieking that nuclear war is coming, but entertain the possibility and think about what that means calmly and rationally. Because the official mainstream story right now is that two top ranking officials in the Russian military are repeatedly declining calls from the U.S. prompting fears of sleepwalking into war. I highlight this story from the Washington Post because it has to do with two officials, Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu and General Valery Gerasimov. They are declining to engage with the United States. It's not just that. Internationally, what's being reported is that these men are missing. 
Now, missing is a strong word, I think, plays into fear-mongering. The reality is they have been out of the public eye for some time, leading to fears of nuclear war and paranoia. Why? Because there are three men with the Russian nuclear footballs. It just so happens to be these two guys and Vladimir Putin. Of course, Russia also has something called the dead hand, a contingency plan in the event leadership is taking out if they want to launch nuclear weapons. I do not know if we will see ICBMs. And to me, to be completely honest, it seems so far from possibility or reality. I just I don't want to believe it. The reality here is the story is probably a couple of guys who are like, we don't want to engage with the U.S. There's an operation going on in Ukraine. And the reason these guys aren't in public is quite simply put, they're high ranking military officials who don't need to be in public all the time. They have work to do. More importantly, if these guys are trying to avoid being assassinated or attacked, then they're not going to show where their location is. It's entirely possible U.S. officials have done something similar and had high-ranking officials or a designated survivor go to undisclosed locations. The story of Russia's dead hand is really interesting because we have only stories from former Soviets and rumors about this contingency plan. Some say there are three men in an undisclosed location who have the ability to launch nukes if Russian leadership is taken out or if there is evidence of a nuclear strike against Russia. The perimeter system, as it's also officially known, may just be automated. We don't know for sure. It depends on who you ask. But I do have the official Wikipedia entry, which aggregates some information on what may happen. The scary thing is, if two of the military leaders are, say, either taken out or missing, could it be that Vladimir Putin removed them so that he has sole nuclear authority because he wants to launch nukes? Could it be they're in hiding because Russia wants to prepare for or protect their ability to launch nukes? Or could it be these men have already been taken out? I don't know. I really don't. People are very paranoid right now. And I think I can only say this. Stay calm. You don't know who to trust. You don't know which new, which, uh, what news is real or fake. But the best thing you can do is prepare for the worst. Hope for the best. Right now we got Joe Biden. He just stated uh, that they're, 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 there's going to be food shortages. They're discussing this. Fertilizer shortages already, energy shortages, Ukraine, the breadbasket of Europe, Russia, the exporter of fertilizer. Planting season is just beginning. Spring is here. Fall is the harvest. And there's going to be major limits in crop yield. So don't be surprised if come October, November, December, your food prices are through the roof. On top of all of this, the Selective Service made a tweet about conscientious objectors in the event of a draft. And everyone's like, no, no, now is not the time to be tweeting this. Some say there will never be a draft without an act of Congress. But if nuclear war happens, y'all are getting drafted. I think basically everybody would be. But is there really going to be nuclear war? Okay. Well, let's first start with who these guys are and why they're missing. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member. If you would like to support our work as a member, you will get access to exclusive segments from the TimCast IRL podcast, as well as our other shows. And you will also be helping keep all of our journalists gainfully employed. We have a lot of really important stories, man. North Korea launching the largest missile since 2017. That's the kind of reporting you are helping to promote, protect, and employ. And you're also keeping me here working. But don't forget, you can also support us by smashing the like button on this video, subscribing to this channel, and sharing this video everywhere you can on every platform. That way, we effectively have some kind of grassroots marketing. We don't buy ads or anything like that. You guys sharing it is how we actually function. Let me get started by showing you but a simple meme. Why, this meme was on the top of r slash memes on Reddit this morning. It says, we are all laughing till we see a giant mushroom cloud. 
And there, there's, there's this anime girl who's laughing, then slowly la- not laughing, and then quite disturbed. Here's the meme. It reads, hearing rumors of high-level leadership purges in Russia. I've heard that. Reading that nobody's seen Defense Minister Shoigu since the 11. Yeah, that's been reported. Seeing that Chief of Staff Garisimov has also been missing since then. Okay, that's, that's true. Remembering that those two are the only people apart from Putin with nuclear launch authority. Interesting. When I saw this meme, I said, I don't believe it. I don't. I fact-checked. I fact-checked it. It's true. I fact-checked a meme. Oh, and also the meme is true. Scary as it is. I give you now wearethemighty.com. I'm not familiar with the source, but it is NewsGuard certified. They write on July 21st, 2021. Why Russia has three nuclear footballs and who can use them. So let's take a look at the context around how nuclear, uh, how a nuclear strike could occur or emerge from Russia. They say, the United States' closest geopolitical rival is Russia. But when it comes, well, I argue China, I suppose. But when it comes to the way their militaries operate, that's where the two countries' similarities end. Nowhere is this more important than in their command and control structures for launching nuclear weapons. It's a well-known fact the president of the United States has a military officer who follows his every move while carrying the nuclear football. This is essentially a suitcase filled with everything necessary for the president to authorize, a la- authorize and launch a nuclear strike while he's not in a designated command and control area, such as the White House. In the U.S., one person, the president, has sole authority to launch a nuclear strike, either as an offensive strike or in retaliation. In the Russian Federation, the president's power is checked by the military when it comes to a nuclear launch. Now, I believe that's actually misleading. In the U.S., there is still a chain of command. There are people, it, it is for the most part true, but there are other people involved in the chain of command who have to basically send off the order. They say the Russians, Russian Federation's military has three of these nuclear footballs, which follow around three very important Russian defense officials. The system is known as a triple key system. The first football follows the president of Russia, who is currently Vladimir Putin. The Russian president's football doesn't contain an actual nuclear key, but instead a system of codes. But Vladimir Putin can't initiate a nuclear strike by himself on his own authority. It's probably the one thing he can't do in Russia. Instead, in a time of need, the president's codes must be sent to the Russian defense minister, currently Russian Army General Sergei Shoigu, who has held the position since 2012. Okay, well, that guy's missing. Maybe just out of the public spotlight, maybe missing. We don't know. All right, well, what else is going on? What else is going on? Once the minister of defense receives an order and launch codes from the president, he sends his codes and the president's codes to the chief of general staff, currently General Valery Garisimov. Okay. Once the chief of general staff has all three sets of codes, then he can make the launch orders to the missile crews. It's estimated the entire process once initiated should take about 20 minutes. This process was considered a highly guarded state secret in the days of the Soviet Union, and a lot of misinformation still exists surrounding it. The three-step process is generally known to be true. One unconfirmed rumor states the defense minister and the chief of general staff must transmit their codes separately to limit unauthorized access from renegade military personnel. Another rumor says the chief of, chief of general staff actually has the president's codes as well. This structure is believed prevents a power grab from the defense minister's office, nipping any conspiracy against the president in the bud. There is no system of transferring launch authority in place in case one of these three men suddenly becomes unable to perform their duties. The first and only time a Russian leader has ever publicly legalized a line of succession in case he was unable to act came from Boris Yeltsin shortly after the end of the Soviet Union. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? 
They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. All right. So this is WeAreTheMighty.com outlining these individuals as being the ones who have access to this system of launching nukes. I give you now from news.com.au. Top Russian military figures Sergei Shoigu and Valery Gerasimov suddenly vanish from the public eye. Questions have been raised on the whereabouts on a number of top Russian officials midway through the nation's biggest conflict in decades. At a time when Vladimir Putin is wagging the nuclear finger at the West, the two guys who are in the nuclear chain of command of Russia vanish from public eye. Could it be, and I'll say it again, that Putin has taken them in so he has their codes and he can unilaterally fire off these missiles? Could Russia be protecting their whereabouts because they are preparing for or at least want to be able to issue a, nu- issue a nuclear strike? The reason why I think this likely has nothing to do with defending Russia in the event of a nuclear strike is that there's something called the dead hand. Wikipedia says the dead hand or the perimeter system is a Cold War era automatic nuclear weapons control system. They say uh, it was used by the Soviet Union. The system remains in use in the post-Soviet Russian Federation. An example of failed, deadly and mutually assured destruction deterrence. It can automatically initiate the launch of Russian intercontinental ballistic missiles by sending a pre-entered highest authority order from the general staff of the armed forces. So if the reason these men were missing is because Russia wants to protect them in the event someone tries to take them out and they need to be able to retaliate, they still have the dead hand. In which case, I don't think that's the reason. It could just be that they're high-ranking military officers who are needed to make sure Russia can continue, continue to operate and thus they're being protected. That makes sense. The whole, the whole nuclear fear may just be overblown because these guys are in the nuclear chain of command. News.com.au says, Analysts have begun raising questions on the whereabouts on a number of top Russian officials as the conflict in Ukraine approaches the end of its first month. Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu, one of Vladimir Putin's closest confidants, reportedly hadn't been seen in public for the last 11 days. The head of Russia's general staff, Valery Garisimov, has also gone missing from the public eye. Er, what? The last news update on, this, on his defense ministry profile were dated March 11th, where he handed out awards to Russian soldiers who had distinguished themselves in a special military in the special military operation. Russian journalist Dmitry Treschanin also noted that Russian state-run news agency RIA also haven't reported on Shoigu since March 11th. He questioned whether Shoigu was in Chernobyl, Chern- Chern- oh, man, Chernobyvka, there we go, located outside Kherson, the first major city to be occupied by Russian forces on March 2. Second, official Russian sources told the news outlet 
At Genstvo Media, Shoigu had been experiencing heart problems. Okay, well, this is not confidence building. According to the Kremlin's website, the defense minister attended a high-priority meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin and other high-ranking members of the National Security Council. The Kremlin has yet to publish any photos or footage of the meeting. Shoigu has been described as a highly, highly active figure in Russian media with public relations, often being referred to as his main weapon, making his sudden disappearance during Russia's largest conflict since the Cold War all the more curious. According to a Jinstvo, which carried out an investigation on Shoigu in 2021, the defense ministry employs big time generals and private contractors whose services cost a lot of money, whose main job is to work on the image of the military leader. Moscow Times reporter Jake Cordell tweeted on Wednesday about lots of telegram chatter today about the whereabouts of Russia's defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, noting that Shoigu has not been seen with Putin since a meeting in Moscow on February 27th just three days after the beginning, the invasion of Ukraine. I wonder if Putin had him detained, dispatched, as it were, and took his codes or maybe protected. The development comes as NATO prepares a major summit to discuss further options on the Ukraine conflict, which is, I believe, is is underway. Earlier today, NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg accused the Russian president of making a big mistake by invading Ukraine. Mr. Stoltenberg, yada, yada, we get it, we get it. So these two individuals are being reported by news.com.au as having gone missing. Well, the Kremlin says missing defense minister is just busy with many concerns. The top Russian official serving as the face of Vladimir Putin's war against Ukraine hasn't been seen publicly for nearly two weeks, but that's because he's busy with many concerns, the Kremlin said Thursday. Asked by reporters to comment on the whereabouts of defense minister Sergei Shoigu, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said he was busy with Putin's special operation in Ukraine. Of course, now is not the time for media activity. I mean, I got to be honest, the simple simple solution tends to be the correct one, I suppose. Or in the absence of evidence, the solution that makes the least amount of assumptions tends to be correct. Uh, Russia invaded. He's a top ranking military official. He's probably overseeing military operations. And like the morons or unlike the morons on Reddit who are revealing the location of their troops, he's not going to speak publicly because it could give away intel, which could hurt Russia. That's probably the simplest solution, to be completely honest. And that's probably it. Now, whether or not we'll see full-scale nuclear war, I honestly don't know. The dead hand is particularly interesting, though. Perimeter appeared as an alternative system for all units armed with nuclear weapons. It was meant to be a backup communication system in the event components of the Kazbek command system and the yada yada. You, you get the point. You get the point. They have the capability to fire off if they want to. Now, one thing that has people particularly worried The Selective Service tweeted this just yesterday. They said, in the event of a draft, our agency would partner with FEMA to provide opportunities to conscientious objectors to ensure our nation keeps moving forward. Learn more about alternative service at conscientious, conscientious, I hate this word, conscientious objectors. And the general idea is that you can be a firefighter. You can, you can work domestically. I actually think it's a fantastic thing. If you're saying you don't want to go into war, you, they, they don't want you there. If you are unwilling to pull the trigger, you're the last person they want to be holding a weapon. But you can still save people, right? If you don't want to go on the front lines, you absolutely could help U.S. infrastructure domestically. You could work in factories. There's a lot you could do to help the U.S. in the event of a major full-scale war. But by posting this, people are particularly concerned serious war may be coming. Now, just a week ago... The Austin American statesman said, fact check, no one can be drafted into the U.S. military without an act of Congress. Viral TikTok, the U.S. military has reinstated the draft and women are included. Rating pants on fire. 
Um, do you think that Congress would deploy the draft? Honestly, I don't know, man. It would be scary to see what would happen in the event of an actual nuclear war. Right now, the, the mainstream story is that these nuclear chain of command officials aren't communicating with the U.S. So this is the official narrative. Washington Post says repeated attempts by the U.S. top defense and military leaders to speak with their Russian counterparts have been rejected by Moscow for the last month, leaving the world's two largest nuclear powers in the dark about explanations for military movements and raising fear of major miscalculation or a battlefield accident. They are worried about sleepwalking into war. Could it be these men are just gone? Why wouldn't they talk to the U.S.? Maybe Putin is playing a hard game. He wants us all scared of a nuclear strike. By limiting communication with these officials, we don't know what they're doing, and we can only sit back terrified they could use nukes. Certainly, I hope they don't. But back at the no one can be drafted. They say the February 26th video implies the U.S. military has reinstated the draft and women are included. It shows a person revealing a document that says it's from the Selective Service System, indicating the person has to report to Ukraine on March 5th. A text overlay says women can get drafted. The caption says, y'all about to cry like what? The video has been viewed more than 46,000 times. There is currently no draft in the U.S. That we understand. But could we actually get to the point where there may be? Maybe. First thing I want to show you before we start talking about the prospect of nuclear war is what nuclear war might actually look like. And for those that are listening, I'll just describe it to you. But for those that are watching, you can see what's called nuclearsecrecy.com slash nukemap. Right here on the map, you can see the blast radius around Washington, D.C. I have chosen on the right, you can, you can choose uh, on nuke map, drag the marker to wherever you'd like to target. I've chosen Washington, D.C. Why? Well, it's our capital. It's also the area where I live. I've selected the highest yield ICBM the U.S. has ever deployed at nine megatons. This is the W-53 Titan II warhead. If this was to hit Washington, D.C., the innermost ring is called the fireball radius, which would extend 2.33 kilometers. They say the maximum size of the nuclear fireball. Relevance to damage on the ground depends on the height of the de detonation. If it touches the ground, the amount of radioactive fallout is significantly increased. Anything inside the fireball is effectively vaporized. Minimum burst height for negligible fallout, 2.09 kilometers. The next sphere so the first sphere hits only the center of Washington, D.C., and wouldn't even reach so far as Silver Springs. It wouldn't reach just, it would, honestly, the fireball radius only hits just our core functions in, in the central D.C. However, the blast damage radius, 14.6 kilometer radius, at 5 PSI over pressure, most residential buildings collapse. This would extend beyond Silver Springs and Alexandria. Now that is where things get scary because this one nine megaton bomb would more than wipe out the entirety of DC and then into the surrounding suburbs. Next, I think may be the scariest part, the worst for most people. Truth be told, if an ICBM this large were to hit DC, you would be lucky if you were inside the fireball radius. As If, if you were within any portion of the thermal radiation radius, you'd probably be, be, be better off if you were inside the actual blast radius. Scary as it may sound and dark as it may be, inside the central blast radius, your life would be over rather quickly and you would not suffer. In this range, the thermal radiation radius, it's where you experience third degree burns 
And this bomb reaches 31.4 kilometers. It extends all the way up to Reston, to only to, to Gaithersburg on the east towards Crofton, Bowie. For those that are familiar with these areas, you can look it up near Waldorf. It, it basically hits a massive amount of even rural areas. It almost reaches IAD, the airport. In the thermal radiation radius, third degree burns extend throughout the layers of skin and are often painless because they destroy the pain nerves. They can cause severe scarring or disablement and can require amputation. 100% probability for third degree burns at this yield is 12.C cal slash CM2. I don't know exactly what that means, but this means basically a lot of people are going. This is 3,110 kilometers squared, square kilometers. You will be severely burned and suffering if you are here. Now, truth be told, at least you will survive. Many of you will, many won't. Next up is the light blast damage radius, 1 PSI. Now, people in this range are going to be hurting. Many people will be injured and many people will, will, will die. But you're out of the initial radiation and thermal blast. You'll probably survive, they say. At around 1 PSI overpressure, glass windows can be expected to break. This can cause many injuries in a surrounding population who, com- uh, who comes to a window after seeing the flash of a nuclear explosion which travels faster than the pressure wave, often uses a benchmark for light damage in cities. Optimal height of burst to maximize the effect is 9.72 kilometers. Many people mock the idea of of ducking and covering. They say back in the 50s during the Cold War, they'd say, in the event of a nuclear bomb, don't look at the flash, duck and cover. They were right. It's weird that people are like, ha ha, how dumb, you'll be wiped out. People don't realize that nuclear bombs aren't just one solid fireball that vaporizes you. You could be in the light damage, light blast damage radius with shards of glass flying all over you. You're sure going to be glad you're under that desk covering up as shrapnel and and debris go flying through the air. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody. This is just an example of a large nine megaton bomb hitting D.C. Truth be told, I don't see why it would hit D.C. If NATO got involved, Russia would probably use their weapons in Europe. We can even go down, however, because this is the largest ICBM. The B-83 is the largest bomb currently in the U.S. arsenal. We also have the Minuteman 1. What people need to understand is that there are significantly larger bombs. If we were to use the 1.2 megaton bomb, then the blast radius is substantially smaller. If we were to go to the largest bomb ever designed, the USSR's SAR Bomba at maximum yield, 100 megatons, and detonate, yeah, it's going to be bad. Baltimore would be hit. But let's be real. Dropping what's called a gravity bomb, like Sarbama, where it's a drop from a plane and gravity propels it towards the earth, would require a bomber traveling at moderately slow speeds relative to U.S. military capability, our Air Force capability, and bypassing all of our surface-to-air missiles and our strategic defense initiatives and machine guns and anti-air guns. I just don't see it possible that a, that, that a, a Russian bomber is getting anywhere near one of our cities. An ICBM is possible because they can go up in the stratosphere and then drop multiple warheads. But if something as big as Sarbama ever were hit, Annapolis, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Frederick, they're all getting basically vaporized in the thermal radiation zone. Yikes. Well, I can say this. Where we are at, we're in the Harper's Ferry area, basically. Sarbama were to drop, we're in the light blast damage radius. So uh, duck and cover, I suppose. And it's dangerously close to the radiation. So, you know, who knows? But uh, I'll say it again. This this depiction of Sarbama 
That's not going to happen. The reason why I use the Titan II as an example is it's because it's an ICBM, the largest we've ever, ever tested. Would Russia be deploying its most powerful on DC? I don't know. I honestly don't know. You have to imagine Russia's got more powerful ICBMs. So uh, kind of worrying. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. If it comes to the point where NATO actually makes a move in Ukraine, I'll tell you what we're going to do. And I mean this with, with all honesty. We are going to load up one of our trailers with supplies and the materials for running our show and internet communications, and we're going to bring it to an undisclosed location far away from these cities. If NATO actually invades, um, we'll have that ready. That's I'm not, I'm not saying if NATO if NATO does I shouldn't say invade if NATO does make a move in Ukraine, it'll be scary. But I don't want to panic too much. What I will do is, like I said. We're going to load up our trailer with supplies for running the show, and we're going to bring it to an undisclosed location where we can still operate the show in the event that we get word of something more serious happening. We won't need to then pull a trailer full of equipment to keep the show going. We'll hop in our cars, head to our secure location in the event of a more serious catastrophe. We're very close to D.C. It's hard to know exactly when to move and how to move. I'm sure there are many people who are already saying, you're crazy to be anywhere, D D anywhere near D.C. right now. Truth be told, we're about 50 miles west of D.C., so we're outside of most of any serious blast damage. But this whole area could get lit up if a war actually were to break out. I don't want to believe it, to be honest. That's why I'm not going anywhere. I do tend to react more quickly than most people to uh, news and threats, though. I got out of New York after some cops got killed. I'm glad I did, especially with the lockdowns. Got out of New Jersey as soon as the lockdowns were, once the lockdowns went, you know, more severe, we said, well, we're going to go to, you know, the rural, we're going to go to the West Virginia, Western Maryland area. And then we didn't actually experience the lockdowns. We could always go outside. There were no mask mandates for the most part. In the event that NATO moves in to Ukraine and Russia then threatens retaliation, we'll prepare. In the event that NATO and Russia come to very serious blows to the point where Russia is looking like they're ready to fire. That's when we say, okay, why don't we take a, a drive, you know, four hours or so to our secure location, because we have one. That way we can keep doing the show. It would also mean that we'd probably put guests on hiatus, but uh, if we're looking at the prospect of World War III, you know, I think it's probably something smart to do. 
keep the show going, keep the line of communication going for you guys. But will it really happen? The Daily Beast thinks that if Russia uses a, even a small nuclear strike, it will be World War III. In an op-ed by Eleanor Clift, she writes, For 77 years, the concept of mutually assured destruction has kept the use of nuclear weapons at bay. But an increasingly desperate Russia bogged down in a, disaster, in, in a disastrous war of choice in Ukraine threatens the status quo. They're going to say tax is the common shorthand for smaller and smarter tactical nuclear weapons. Some are even equipped with a dial a yield function that can regulate the size of the bomb's destruction. One might surmise from the euphemistic verbiage, tactical nukes, that couldn't be that bad. Maybe it's just the future of war we have to adjust to. Well, think again. Once you see the mushroom cloud, no one will know whether it was a 20 kiloton weapon or a one megaton weapon, 1,000 times stronger. Said Joshua Pollock, editor, uh, 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 how do you pronounce that? Um, Pollock, editor of the Nonproliferation Review, published by the James Martin Center for Nonproliferation Studies. They're more similar than you might expect in terms of their destructiveness, he told the Daily Beast. Even this small nuke is extremely destructive, depending on where you drop it. It would be a very large explosion that would generate an electromagnetic pulse and it would probably start fires. Maybe it's just rhetoric, nuclear blackmail. But if Putin does the unthinkable, how do we respond in a way that avoids Armageddon? Lawrence Korb, a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress and former Assistant Secretary of Defense in the Reagan administration, said, the reason those weapons are called tactical, they're more likely to be used on the battlefield. The Russians started it, referring to Russia's escalate to de-escalate doctrine. And the argument was if we had them, they would counterbalance the Russians. Nuclear weapons are meant to keep the enemy guessing, says Korb. If Putin goes nuclear, he doesn't know how we will respond. Would Biden or the world accept tit-for-tat nuclear strikes on civilian population centers? The answer is most certainly no. Whatever it's called in the moment, history will remember it as World War III. This is what I've been saying for some time. Now, they, they're taking a different approach, truth be told. They're saying mutually assured destruction is guaranteed, and they make a good point. If Putin or anybody were to use a tactical nuke, if it were to be a false flag, who knows? People are going to see a mushroom cloud. They're not going to be able to tell how big or far away it was, and they're going to say, it's happening. If that were to happen, NATO's moving in instantly. Russia retaliates and uses tactical nukes on strategic military locations to decisively win the battle. The West, not realizing what's going on, might say, fire Z missiles. No, I don't know, man. But check this out. Daily Mail reports Russia is planning false flag attacks on its own cities, blamed on Ukraine, which could kill thousands of civilians in a bid to justify general, mobil- general mobilization of its troops exiled politician warns. Maybe. Why should I believe that the US and the Russia are different in terms of their strategies? I certainly don't like Russia. I certainly have issues with the United States, but I do like the United States a lot. A lot of good people here, a lot of good values, a lot of values in Russia I'm not a fan of. But the US is admittedly in dire, a dire position culturally, and there are a lot of really bad people in government. But that's besides the point. If you come out to me and say Russia is planning these false flags, and we know the Gulf of Tonkin, for incident, for instance, was uh, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, for instance, was a false flag, then one has to wonder, could it be possible here? Could the U.S. possibly use false flags? I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people would be saying such a thing. But I, I far be it for me from knowing, man. In the end, the fog of war will keep us from understanding at all what's going on. It may be the bomb blast that goes off in Russia. Could have been NATO sending a warning to Russia that we'll do it again. Russia could do it on it, blow up its own buildings, then be like, oh, look, we're being attacked. 
There are a lot of people who believe that this is happening in Ukraine, but I just say this. Prove it or don't. Prove it or don't, or, or, or don't entertain it, because in war, our cities bombed, yes. Could Russia be bombed because of the war? Yeah, absolutely. So what's easier to believe? In the absence of evidence, the solution that makes the least amount of assumptions tends to be correct. That's why I, I'm not a fan of the idea of false flags, until you can bring the evidence. Will there be a nuclear war? Man, I don't know. Don't ask me. I can only show you what people are saying. Where are these Russian officials? Are they preparing for something? There's a lot of rumors flying around showing U.S. government aircraft leaving D.C. once the war started. Well, yeah. The U.S., I guarantee you, has already prepared for nuclear war. Their special survivors and codes are probably all prepped and ready. Russia's admitted they're on high alert. The U.S. is absolutely going to be ready for anything, even if it is an exaggeration, even if it is paranoia. But don't think it can't happen. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Reddit users unknowingly assist Russian airstrike on Ukrainian base. Over 100 troops confirmed dead. Now, I don't know to what degree this is confirmed, but on Reddit, volunteers for Ukraine, they're actually saying yes. The story is some volunteers or individuals who went to Ukraine to support the war effort have been posting photos and videos and compromising the positions of Ukraine military. In this particular instance, a video of a man playing the violin in what appears to be some kind of barracks goes viral after news reports of an airstrike and rubble showing very much the same building, or at least most people think so. My friends, the internet is full of people who think life is a video game. They don't read the news. They have no idea what they're talking about. Now, I'd assume most of you who watch videos like mine are probably better informed. And I'd say that because typically y'all are fact-checking me in the comments on the videos I make or just outright disagreeing. I think one of the things, and, and, and you know, as, a, as an aside, one of the things that holds back the growth of my channel and our website is that we are not specifically trying to, you know, we're not trying to pander to any one ideology or thought. And we often get things wrong, but we try to make sure we're having a mutual conversation about certain ideas we're willing to correct. There are a lot of channels that are much, much bigger because they go for the more ideological drive. And I'm sure the left would accuse me of doing all that stuff. But the reality is, no, we get things wrong. And I, I believe it is an honor and a privilege to have all of you as viewers who are constantly reading the news helping uh, fact check information and, well, not falling victim to this cult psychosis. Where are we today? Well, you have the people who are posting Ukrainian flags in their profiles and the stand with Ukraine and all that stuff. And I was asked by Elijah Schaefer, he was on Timcast IRL the other day, if I was, I don't think he asked me on the show, but he was like, are you a stand with Ukraine person? And I was like, what, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. And he's like, are you a stand with Ukraine? And I'm like, are you saying I want, do I want Ukraine to win or, or what? And I guess, you know, his point was there are people who are like, you know, a Black Lives Matter flag and fists in their profiles. And all of a sudden it was the vaccine symbol in their profiles. And now all of a sudden it's a Ukrainian flag in their profiles. It doesn't seem like any of these people have an actual understanding of the world or an actual identity. Well, I'll tell you this. I do not like Vladimir Putin. I think Vladimir Putin is a crazy person. I think he's desperate, ideologically driven. I believe this war is wrong. I believe it's his fault. I think the U.S. has a lot to, blame, uh, to be blamed for for a lot of things. I think Joe Biden is corrupt. I understand, you know, the arguments we see from Russia and from Vladimir Putin, but come on, man. 
if you're losing an influence war because the U.S. is able to buy and expand, and the only thing, you know, the only thing Russia has to do is just go and start a war in Ukraine, I'm just like, mm, nah, bro, you've lost. Because I, I well, you know, I, I should slow that down because I'll put it this way. Vladimir Putin doesn't consider it a loss because he's willing to go further than anyone imagined. And that's it. The U.S. had been winning favor in, in the Ukraine through essentially funding billion-dollar loan guarantees. We heard it from Joe Biden. But hey, how bad is it, truth be told, for the U.S. to be like, this is what we want to see and we will give you money? It's bad. No, 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 hold on. I don't like corruption. I don't like the U.S. interfering in foreign countries. I'm saying relative to what we're seeing now, I think Putin should have just countered with more money. And I'd much prefer a world where you basically got rich people bribing each other than blowing up people who don't want to be involved in war. Truth be told, I'd prefer none of the manipulation and influence, but I think that's a bit naive. There's always going to be treaties. There's always going to be negotiations. Countries will always be trying to trade and seek favor. The issue for me is, well, I think the U.S., namely through Joe Biden and you know the Clinton administration, the Obama administration, they've, uh, the Bush administration, have engaged in corruption in many of these countries, and it's a bad thing. But where we are now, not to just harp on all of that and the, the cause or the basis or my feelings in the war, we have these cult members with no identity flying themselves to Ukraine to join these battalions, these troops, getting people killed getting themselves put in harm's way because they think it's a game. You know, maybe maybe the United States uh, establishment political elites did something right by stunting the growth uh, and stunting the, men the mental development of the American millennial because they've actually convinced people that going here is a good idea. Here's the story from the Outlooker. Now, I'm not familiar with this outlet. I don't know. A lot of this could be wrong, and I want to make sure I stress this point. No disrespect to, to the outlooker. It's just that this, is, this seems to be a viral meme where, well, I shouldn't say meme, but people are looking at, let me just show you. Here we have rubble uh, in Ukraine as Ukrainian soldiers are moving around. You can see these uh, pillars, which uh, very much resemble the same pillars from inside the building. You can see the bed. You can see the bed frames here. The reason why I say you got to be careful about this, I'm not familiar with this outlet. We do know people are volunteering in Ukraine. We do know they're warning people not to expose their location. Whether or not this story is specifically true, hard to know for sure. Because we are being inundated with insane propaganda. Let me show you this clip right here. It shows a Russian soldier, allegedly, chicken winging what appears to be, a, what is it, an AK? I don't think that's a 47. That might be a 74. I'm not super familiar with, uh, with, with those rifles. But uh, he's chicken winging, which means his arm is out like that, which you're not supposed to do. And he's pointing the weapon and at what is allegedly Ukrainian civilians. I said, what do these people think that intelligence agencies are making propaganda videos? Because, uh, uh, I mean, like, legitimately asking that question. Someone commented on the video on Reddit saying, OK, I support Ukraine, but this seems staged. You can't see any action from the rifles, no smoke, no recoil, no cycling, discharge, shell casings, and the strap on top of the rifle is not violently reacting to a firing gun. Also, if anyone has been around a 7.62 being shot in your face, you will flinch. It's jarring. I slowed down the video and watched the crowd not even blink when he apparently fired the gun. Also, some of the crowd were wearing military camo. Sorry, but if I was in a war and military camo wearing men were moving towards me, it's a gunfight. The video has since been removed from uh, from Reddit. It was taken down. Fascinating. 
I think the video is staged. It's probably staged and it's propaganda. One of the reasons I think it's staged is that this guy's got a chicken wing arm and many people pointed out like, you're probably not going to see Russia's military chicken winging it. Ukrainian militia and volunteers probably because people don't know how to use weapons. What they do is they grab the rifle and they hold it with their arm out like that. It's chicken wing instead of holding it down and into their shoulder. So this looks right away. I saw this. I was like, huh? The other thing is the audio is not synchronized properly. When it went, when he does move the rifle, the gunshots aren't synchronized with the rifle's movement. So maybe there's a sound glitch or something, but he also doesn't actually experience recoil when the sounds gunshots go off. So I'm like, either gunshots are going off in a different direction and he's raising his weapon for no reason, or it's staged propaganda. People are saying, look at these brave and strong Ukrainians standing up to that evil invader. Come on, man. Don't fall for every video you see on the internet. Now, the gray zone, this is interesting. Grayzone.com is is questioning whether the bombing of a Mariupol theater was staged by Ukrainian as of extremists to trigger, trigger NATO intervention. They say testimony by evacuated Mariupol residents and the warning uh, and warnings of a false flag attack undermine Ukrainian government's claims about a Russian bombing of a local theater sheltering civilians. Well, I'll put it this way. There's a reason why the gray zone is asking the question. And I think it's Betridge's laws of headlines. I could be wrong that if a headline asks a question, then the answer is no. I'll put it this way. I understand why Max Blumenthal at the Gray Zone wants to ask this question, especially if locals are suggesting this may be the case. The problem I have is without hard evidence, you sh- what's the point of asking the question? With Occam's razor and Betridge, I believe it's Betridge's laws of headlines. I could be wrong. I be- uh, um, with, with, with those two things combined and the simple solution is it, it makes more sense that Ukraine is using civilian uh, facilities for strategic uh, locations or, 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 you know, staging and Russia is, is hitting them. And that's it. Ukraine doesn't need to stage a bombing of their own theater. They really don't. They need only send military assets to it and they could easily trick Russia into bombing whatever they wanted to bomb or forcing them to do it. And so you'll see stories. I mean, this happens in war all the time. Like this country blew up a children's hospital. How could they? And it's like, right, because the military knew it was it, w- it would be good for them to point the finger at the other guy and say they're the bad guy for bombing the hospital, but they were using it for staging grounds. You get the point. So here we are. Reddit users posting videos. Well, on Reddit, here's what they're saying. The top comment is another oof by Reddit. Hope the upvotes were worth their lives because they got shelled. Someone said, bro, people are dead. I don't think it's an oof. It's a bit more than that. Someone said, it's like the third time this has happened because Redditors can't control themselves. Now, someone tried responding saying, it's what, it's not because of Reddit. Russian intelligence has access to satellite imagery, just like the West. Not difficult to tell occupied military installations. Military installations were always early targets, yada, yada. Sorry, man. I uh, uh, personally, I believe that this is actually the, the fault of the people posting this stuff. If you jump over to Volunteers for Ukraine, you can actually see them posting right now. One of the top comments is watch your OPSEC, which is operational or operations security. This person posted saying, I work in the cybersecurity field and I can tell you, I can't tell you how trivial it is to get your geolocation from a picture or video you've taken. Stop taking selfies. Stop uploading pictures. Even if you remove the metadata where your actual GPS location is saved at the time of the recording, there are still so many context clues that'll be in your photo, like street signs, skylines, topology, landmarks, that can easily be used to zero in on your position. At least two barracks now full of people have been obliterated because people just can't help but take selfies. 
This is a war. This is not a vacation. Stop taking effing selfies and stop sharing them. Stop upvoting. You are literally getting people killed. This is not a joke. You know what, man? You guys have a subreddit with 44,000 people who are too stupid to know what's going on there, who have watched so much crackpot BS propaganda. I'm sure which half of your posts are. And you are convincing morons to go into an active war zone. You know what I say, man? I had a lot of people, they were uh, tweeting at me when I was like posting about Ukraine. They're like, Tim Pool's too much of a coward to have go to Ukraine. It's like, bro, I was there when all this started. I was in Ukraine. I went there uh, uh, twice. Actually, I went there three times. I, went, I came back a year or so later. And I, I was there at the start of the, the uprising that resulted in the ousting of Yanukovych. I got to go and see the toppled statue of Lenin that people had pulled down. But that was civil unrest. That was civil conflict, and it had not escalated to the point of, uh, of kinetic warfare. So I actually ended up leaving because there were, there were lulls, and uh, I was there with the vice crew, and we were there when it was, when it was, when it was getting to that point of, of conflict. I mean, they were building massive barricades. They were seizing, and it was Maidan Square. They called it Euromaidan. But uh, I ended up leaving. And then things got really crazy shortly after I left with sniper fire and Molotovs. It was crazy to watch the footage back, you know, in the United States. I went there. Then I went back. I flew to Ukraine, went to the UK for a few days, went back to Ukraine, went back to the US. I'll tell you this. I would not go to Ukraine right now. That is not my beat. That is not my thing. Since the start of uh, my career, it's always been civil unrest, urban conflict uh, and crisis. So I've covered major natural natural disasters, hurricanes. You know, I went to Fukushima and I'll show up to riots and um, and revolution to, to in a sense, because I've, I've you know, I was in Egypt and I was at the start of this. But when things get into full on hot conflict, people like me should not be there. Why? I don't speak Ukrainian. I don't speak Russian. OK, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There are many journalists who do. Who, who are the kind of journalists who should be in there, I should not. Now, when we're asking a question of why are people in civil unrest, why are, they, why are they protesting, why are they seeking to stage a revolt? In this instance, it's an internal conflict. And I, I, my view on this is, if I go to a country that's not in um, you know, an international conflict where people are seeking to kill each other, it's bad enough when you have government versus the people because you still have the potential for conflict. But that's kind of where I draw the line. I can go in with a fixer and we can navigate it to the best of our abilities and then see, you know, try and determine whether or not it's too dangerous for me to be there. Now, truth be told, there are also many journalists who speak the language who are better suited to be in these regions and many who are already on the ground and there. But I do think it's, you know, as much as people would call it parachute journalism, when the danger level is at, 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 at like a medium level too low, I think it's a good thing for uh, individuals from other countries to come in and try and get a perspective and relay information to the best of their abilities through the help of locals back to their countries and to their audience. When things escalate into hot conflict, 
then journalists who are there should probably speak the language and be very well versed in what's going on, the culture, the history. Otherwise, you just get yourself killed. That being said, I have hostile environment training, which for the most part, I think is worthless. It's like how to survive a kidnapping. And I'm like, you know, bro, like having someone sit in a warehouse and you talk to them is not the same thing as actually, you know, being in these conflicts and having, you know, I was detained with a few other journalists in the back of some like, we went to this, we went to this police headquarters in Brazil and they detained us in this back building with no windows and just a couch. And I'm like, all right, they're going to start beating us. But uh, they, they held us there for like an hour and then eventually let us go once they figured out who we were. Journalists from America. And then all of a sudden they were like, will you cover our union protesting? Like we need help. And it's like, oh, come on, man. You just pulled us aside and locked us in this room for an hour. But anyway, I digress. The point is, I, I have experience in conflict and I would never be stupid enough to join this insanity. And there are people who are absolutely doing it. I am on the ground at one of the Polish border crossings. Like, why? In this post from poptopic.au, not, I'm not super familiar with what it is, so take it all the grain of salt. But they do have these screenshots of people posting photos saying, volunteers for Ukraine, proof for everyone in denial. In denial, you're posting photos and people are like, yes, I was here. My bunk bed and barracks was the first missile made a long post. These are people posting what's going on, where they are, and they do not get it. I was talking about this the other night. I had a friend who was reporting on a conflict, and I don't want to say exactly too much details. And he had a satellite communicator. When his location was compromised, he turned it on and threw it down the side of a mountain. The, the satellite communicator then bounced down the mountainside heading west, and then he ran east because they can track all of this stuff. He threw away a device that cost several hundred dollars and one of his only means of communication in the middle of nowhere because he knew they were tracking it and he wanted to throw them off. And you know what? Something like that probably would work. Get you, uh, I mean, obviously they have satellites and things like that, but for the, for the time being, if they see that signal, if they're tracking that signal and they see it moving, then you, have, you, you buy yourself several minutes to escape and he was able to. These people have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea what they're talking about. They're basing their view on, on what's happening in Ukraine off of propaganda videos that are populating all over the web. And you end up with stories like this. The Rolling Stone from, from Rolling Stone. A boogaloo boy tried to join the foreign legion in Ukraine. It didn't end well. He duped his local newspaper into giving him a hero send-off. His story is now being used as Russian propaganda. Is it? Or was he telling the truth? Henry Hoft, known as Henry Locke, at a Boogaloo Boy rally at the 20, uh, 2021 Ohio Statehouse. Now, I, I didn't want to use uh, uh, Rolling Stone because I don't trust them. But the reason I'll, I'll give some, uh, a grain, I'll give some uh, benefit of the doubt to this article is that they mentioned that the Boogaloo Boys, this is what they say, the Boogaloo Boys' flavor of libertarian anti-law enforcement anarchism can be hard to peg on the left-right political spectrum. As if to heighten the cognitive dissonance, Boogaloos mark themselves with flamboyant Hawaiian floral prints. Okay. All right. When they said that, I said, all right, all right. You know, typically from the left, you'll, they'll be like, the Boogaloo Boys are far-right extremists or whatever. And it's like, bro, they're like, there's videos of Boogaloo Boys and Antifa shaking hands. So that's, you know, they're just like right libertarian anarchists, anti-government types. However, I do believe that this is propaganda. The idea, so, so what happened was this guy Hoft um, decided to join the foreign legion in Ukraine. He posted a video that went viral saying it was a trap and he had to get out and I, I, things were really, really bad. You know, he's saying, I'll be there as long as it takes. They go on to mention, you know, they, they definitely should get into his story, but instead they go on to just talk about his background, which is really annoying because when news outlets do this, they're trying to detract from what the actual story is to make you hate a person or feel something about a person before you know what's actually going on. 
So they go on to mention the Boogaloo Boys, blah, 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 blah. Speaking to fellow travelers, Drum added the Boogaloo movement. Okay, I don't care about this. For Hoff, the excitement of arriving in Ukraine was almost immediately undermined by the harsh realities of joining underfunded foreign fighters. In a viral video, Hoff said he tried to hook up with the Georgia National Legion, a group of foreigners on the Ukrainian side, largely made up of fighters from the country of Georgia. But Hoft said they didn't have much to arm new recruits with. They're trying to send us to Kiev with no effing weapons, no kit, no effing plates, he said. The people who are lucky enough to get weapons are only getting magazines with like 10 effing rounds. We didn't need that full, here's why this guy is stupid. No, I'll tell you what I think this is. This guy volunteered because he's dumb. He then realized they're underfunded and ill-equipped. And perhaps the media, all of the stories talking about how Ukraine is winning and Putin's, oh, he's all screwed up and scared and all that stuff. Maybe it's not true. Maybe for some reason, maybe there is a reason that we keep seeing stories where it's like Russian tank obliterated. And then the next day it's like Russia advances. It's like, okay. You know, you keep showing us these stories of small Ukrainian victories, but then the bigger picture story is like Russia is, is moving in or Russia's blowing up barracks. See, what they do is they want to show you the small victories because they want to, they want to, they want to make you feel like you can win. They need to. And I, I get it. Morale needs to be high. If people feel like they can't win, they'll give up. So what happens when a volunteer says, we are ill-equipped, we're unarmed, they run this story. They run a story in the Rolling Stones saying, he tried to join, it didn't end well, and it's being used as Russian propaganda. His personal experience that he published, they're now making fun of him, saying he's an idiot and blah, blah, blah. When his group of fighters refused deployment, Hoft alleged they told us we had to get the F out or they were going to shoot us in the back. Hoft then claimed he effing hid in the back of an ambulance to get a ride to the border, where he alleged that Ukrainian authorities at the crossing to Poland were intercepting fighting-aged men and were cutting up passports and sending you back to the front. Hoft alleged he was bailed out by a humanitarian group that helped camouflage him as medical staff. We got in like Red Cross vests and they had effing humanitarian passes to get us through the Ukrainian border, he said, warning others not to come because it's a trap. It's unclear what platform Hoft originally used to post the video, but it was soon grabbed by Twitter accounts that saw Hoft's messages message as favorable to the Russian side. I'd be willing to bet it's real. This guy, a moron, thought he could go to a war. There are reports now that trans women, biological males, are being turned away at the border. Makes absolute sense. You go in that country, you think they're going to let you leave? Why would they? They're fighting a war. They want to survive. They don't care about you. They'll drop you on the front line. Why would Ukraine be like, here's a, here's a fighting aged male, free to leave? Well, there's one reason. This guy's an aid worker who is a part of the effort. There's one kind, there's, there's probably a handful of uh, men who are allowed to move back and forth, but all of them involve aiding the war effort. If you're humanitarian medical staff, they need you to do your job to save lives. So when they see this, the story absolutely makes sense. They're going to say it's spread, it was on TikTok, blah, blah, blah. What is it? Blasting his Boogaloo brothers for misinformation. He appears haggard in the clip. You have no excuse. I'm pretty sick right now, but I'm alive. I've been in and out of Ukraine twice in the last three or four days. I'm with a local militia unit. I've had no issues with my passport being torn up. Dunn said he also tried to hook up with the Georgian fighting unit and insisted he'd never felt in danger. For his part, Dunn revealed that he'd been rejected from that unit. They were not fond at all of people with an internet existence, for obvious reasons. Obviously, I've had an extensive internet existence, and I left the Georgia Legion about two days before Henry did. Adding to the fog of war videos, blah, blah, blah. It's strange that they would take this video 
and say, ah, it's Russian propaganda. Are you saying he's wrong or making it up? Is it a lie? Or is this the reality of war? What do you think is going to happen when you go to Ukraine? Do you think you're going to walk in and they're going to be like, welcome to the fight, brother. And they're going to hand you the gear and they're going to be like, let's roll. Or do you think they're going to be like, shut your mouth. You're, you're doing what, you, what you're told to do now. People are dying. You're going to say, but I'm hungry. And they're going to say, oh, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Too bad. I don't know if people believe, understand, but if you, if you grew up in the United States playing Call of Duty and The Division and other video games, and then you see a bunch of crackpot BS videos on the internet, and you believe it all, and you believe all of the propaganda, I'll tell you this, man, you, then you do you. I would actually warn people to stay away from this. You have no idea what it's really like. I only have a taste of what it's really like. I've been, I've been to some countries, I've seen some remnants of war, and I know full well what my limit is. I'm not going to pretend to be a war correspondent or someone willing to enter the fray. Many people are. Many people I respect. Many people braver than I. But you got to understand, man, when I left Ukraine, the people they sent in after me because things were escalating, one of the reasons, spoke multiple languages. They're like, okay, this has gone beyond, you know, a a European nation in unrest seeking revolution, and we're now moving into full-scale warfare. And then I was like, okay, I'm out. I was like, I know, I know, you know, what I can handle and what I can't. One of, one of the one of the challenges is we try to is the level of profile. So when I'm on the ground, they're doing like press releases, they're like, hey, watch this coverage, because it was safe enough to be like, Tim Poole is here, he's documenting this, and he can he's talking with translators and locals, and we're figuring out what's going on. When things got really spicy, Vice switched to dispatches, which were uploaded a day later with someone who actually spoke the languages and could remain safe, who still ended up getting kidnapped and beaten. So it's tough. You got to understand, you, you can't just jump. It's just ridiculous, man. But you know what? If you are a soy mouth Redditor who believes whatever the media says, what can you do? Huh? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The other day I tweeted that if the Republicans had the callousness and the ruthlessness of the Democrats, they'd be calling Judge Katanji Brown Jackson a pedophile. And the reason I say that is because under Brett Kavanaugh, they accused him of gang raping a woman. Well, he was accused by someone who is not credible. Many of these stories were extremely, they were obviously fake, and some of them were outright proven to be false stories, yet the Democrats still ran with them. That's the name of the game. Laundering accusations. Some random person comes out and says, Brett Kavanaugh did a thing that no one can remember. And the Democrats then go on TV in these Senate hearings and say, Brett, you did this. We have we have credible accusations. They brought a woman, Christine Blasey Ford, to come and testify on garbage that was 30 plus years old that nobody can remember. And the lady outright lied. She was like, I'm scared to fly on planes. And then this Republican's like, how did you get here? I flew on a plane. Okay. She claimed she had like two doors to her house because she was scared after being attacked when she was a teenager. And the story was like, he threw her on a bed and held her down and then they ran away or something. Like she wasn't, I mean, the story's it's bad, but it's not like she was tortured in the basement to the point where she would be traumatized and need multiple entrances to her home. And then it turns out she had multiple entrances to her home. I guess people were saying it's because she was airbnb or her house. Okay, sure. Here's the story from the Washington Post. The editorial board writes, Republicans boast they have not pulled a Kavanaugh. In fact, they have treated Jackson worse. 
<laughs> Republicans are such pathetic losers. All right, my friends. I know there are many people who uh, disagree with me on the issue of Leah Thomas and the NCAA. All right. For those who aren't familiar, I think most of you are. Uh, Leah Thomas is biologically male competing in the women's division. My stance is, if you can't speak up for yourself, don't expect people to help you. You know, there's, to a certain degree, I'm willing to help people who can't help themselves, right? We, we, we believe in charity. Someone could be on hard times. We're like, we're going we're gonna to try and lift you up. But it's been 14 years since the culture war first started, albeit major prominent instances of the culture war battles, as it were, started around 2012-2013. But this stuff's been going on for a really long time, a really long time, so much so that it was a key component in Donald Trump's election in 2016. The idea of wokeness and, and, and cancel culture and intersectionality, it led a, a many young people to vote for Donald Trump. So you have these women who are unwilling to speak up for themselves. Nay, they actually defend Leah Thomas. How am I supposed to be mad about that? So people say to me, you know, you've got to defend them, okay? They can't speak up for themselves. All right, look, my, my mentality is we need people of strength and, and principle to defend themselves, not entitlement and fear. Unfortunately, a lot of people will be followers and you can't blame everyone. I get that. I do. Some people are just scared and not capable. And maybe that's true for all of these women in the NCAA. Not a single one of them has any courage. I mean, that may be the case. I kind of look at them, you know, as athletes and people who train and fight, you know, every day to be better as being more likely to, to speak up for themselves, but apparently not. Well, I'm sorry. You can tell me I'm wrong. You can disagree with me. I accept that. In my world, I, I'm not going to play that game. Republicans are pathetic. They are unwilling to do what is needed to win votes. And this is one of the reasons they suck. And they lose. Why is it the Democratic Party is bigger than the Republican Party? Now, admittedly, that's changing a bit in certain places, thanks to the likes of people like Scott Pressler, who are he's been he's been registering people left and right. The Democratic Party likely has more support among their base because they're fighters. Now, of course, the Democrats, their personalities and media and uh, progressives say the Democrats won't fight while Republicans are steamrolling. And it's like Republicans aren't doing anything. Republicans aren't doing anything. Look at this op-ed. They've not pulled a Kavanaugh. In fact, they've treated Jackson worse. I don't recall Republicans seeking out accusations of this judge committing very serious crimes. Could you imagine if Republicans came out and said, there is a credible accusation that judge you abused children? They're not. They're like, some of your rulings favored really awful people. Do you have an answer for it? Josh Hawley, who brought it up, even said, I think she will have a good answer for it. I'd just like to hear it. Pathetic. Look, I'm sorry, man. I don't know who Josh Hawley is trying to convince. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't play that game. But of course, I'd probably never be in a position like this. Probably why I like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Thomas Massey and the Freedom Caucus people. I'd be a bit more aggressive. I'd be like, uh, first of all, Katanji Brown's not the only judge who does this. And then she went off defending some of the worst of the worst. Now, I'm more than willing to entertain. For those that aren't familiar, what happened is Josh Hawley said you, you gave lenient sentences to a lot of people who have abused children, notably looking at, you know, very offensive content, downloading the, you know, images of children, to put it mildly, online. And she said, somebody could be looking at something for like 15 minutes and you're talking about 50 years in prison. Truth be told, 
There are a lot of conservatives that are like death penalty and all that. And I'm like, okay, well, hold on, hold on. You know, because legit, some conservatives have said death penalty for people who abuse children. Yeah, I got to say, I have a a principled uh, consideration and an emotional consideration. The emotional emotional consideration is completely on board with what most conservatives are saying. I I don't do death penalty. But uh, somebody who's engaging in sharing or participating or in any way facilitating the exploitation of children. Yeah, I'm like, that's inexcusable and unforgivable. I also don't trust the state, which is the big problem. I mean, look at what happened with Julian Assange. So you have to be careful. Just be, this, this, this is in every facet. If you can prove someone did something beyond a reasonable doubt, then I say we have very, very serious uh, uh, charges and 50 years for somebody, I don't care how long they're looking at these photos. Yeah, sorry, bye. That's why it was a really weird excuse. Like if the point is from, you know, Tubin and the CNN people who are defending your position is that you're concerned about government overreach and these, these, you know, these laws imprisoning people for too long. I'm just like, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird cause to defend on that issue because I personally don't trust the government. I want them to prove things about a reasonable doubt. I don't think it's, it's, you know, I do think there's huge problems in the prison system, but I'm kind of like, if you can prove a person did something that was facilitating uh, uh, these atrocities towards children, then I got no problem with saying certain crimes should spend way longer in prison and certain crimes should spend way less time in prison. That's the issue. You get the government going after people like on January 6th with these very serious charges for trespass or whatever. And I'm just like, yo, I don't care about these people. They're not repeat offenders. They went, they, they, they did dumb things. Now, I'm not talking about those who engaged in violence. I'm talking about people who didn't know what was going on and just walked around. Now, come on, man. Slap them on the wrist and send them on their way. Meanwhile, you got Judge Ketanji Brown being like, well, I'd actually like to slap the wrist of these offenders and give them lenient sentences. And for this, here we are with the Washington Post. I probably should read this and show you what they're saying to break down why uh, you know, they're saying this. But I really just want to drive this point home. Republicans struggle to make arguments in many cases. Now, Marsha Blackburn did, did wonderfully when she asked Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson if she could tell her what a woman was. And the judge said no. Talk about an insane world. And I'll address that in a minute. Some Republicans have done a good job, but I'm like, you're halfway there. Here's, here's, here's what I'd ask. I'd say, uh, uh, you know, can you provide, first of all, here's exactly how it would go down if I were to do it. I'd say, can you provide me with the definition of the word woman? And then when she said no, I'd be like, uh, well, I, I was just trying to preface a larger question. What, you, you can't? Uh, I assumed you'd be able to. I'm just trying to start a, con- okay, well, uh, are you a woman? And then what is she going to say? Well, of course she said yes. And I'd be like, okay, why are you a woman? Just, can you answer that? Some people, uh, I've seen like Michael Malice was tweeting about, it. he's like, the judge shouldn't be defining these terms, the legislature should. And I'm like, I agree and disagree. Michael said, when you let judges define words, you get activist judges who then say a woman can be anything they want. And um, I get what you're saying for sure. I'm saying that uh, if you can't define basic terms as a society, Having the legislature do it doesn't change anything either, because then you'll get woke legislatures that are just saying exactly the same thing. It's just the same problem with extra steps. Culturally, we should be able to define the word woman as we can in the encyclopedia and the dictionary, etc. Sure, this judge couldn't. The Washington Post publishes this op-ed. Oh, it's so fun. They say, throughout her Senate confirmation hearings, Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson has been a model of composure which is made all the more impressive by the egregious behavior of some on the Republican side. 
during the hearings, Republicans such as Lindsey Graham have congratulated themselves for declining to treat Judge Jackson the way Democrats handled the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. In fact, by the most relevant measures, Mr. Graham and a handful of other Judiciary Committee Republicans have handled themselves worse. Spare me. Well, I'll throw it to you that Lindsey Graham is not a good person. I'll try to tone down the insults, but I am no fan of this man. They say, a woman credibly accused Mr. Kavanaugh of assault. Democrats rightly asked the committee to investigate. No, a woman did not credibly accuse. There is nothing more infuriating than that word. Credibly accused. You want to know why that, that one really triggers me and makes me so angry? Because it's so obvious they are manipulating low IQ people. You know, when you have independent and moderate voters in poll after poll siding with conservatives, you have to wonder who's the stupid one. Is it everyone else or is it you? I often like to take a look around and say, if there's a very small group of people who believe something, is it possible that they're wrong? If I believe something that most people don't believe, is it possible that I'm wrong? You have to entertain that. And sometimes I say, yeah, you know what? Everyone else is wrong. Certainly on like moral positions, certainly on issues of fact that I can prove. Notably, like when AOC made up the fake story about the, the where is she? And the guy knocked on her door and she was like, I thought they made it to my, my room. Republicans missed that this happened an hour before the breach of the Capitol building. And they were just saying, she wasn't in the building. And I'm like, y'all are wrong. I got no problem being like, there's a fact. Now, on moral and principle issues, I understand why some people might stand up and say, no, I, I refuse to acknowledge the majority's opinion on these things. I disagree. I can respect you having an opinion on something. In this instance, a woman did not credibly accuse anybody. Christine Blasey Ford's story is nonsense. She lied several times. It's full of garbage. It was just absolute garbage. The Democrats used this trash to drag Brett Kavanaugh as if that would stop him from getting confirmed. No, they're just trying to win elections because stupid people don't read the news. Democrats rightly asked the committee to investigate. After a superficial FBI review, oh, superficial, Republicans pressed forward his nomination. Brett Kavanaugh had already been vetted to be a federal, federal court judge. Vetting him again to the Supreme Court is mostly a formality. By contrast, Republicans have smeared Judge Jackson based on obvious distortions of her record and the law. Mr. Graham and others painted her as a friend of child, let's just say abusers, despite the fact that her sentences and the cases reflect the judicial mainstream. They don't. Even conservative outlets had debunked these accusations before the hearings began. They didn't. The more Judge Jackson argued for rationality in criminal sentencing or attempted to, as Mr. Graham continued to interrupt her, the more Mr. Graham ranted about the evils of child imagery abusive, you get the point, which Judge Jackson had already condemned repeatedly and her record plainly shows she takes seriously. So the reason why I say that the Republicans don't have um, the callousness and the ruthlessness is they're certainly trying to play that game where they're like, you're a Nazi. That's what the left does. You're a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, okay. They just say it over and over again because people are stupid enough to believe it. And then the funny thing is, I, I just, you know what, man? I'll, I'll here, you know, I think this is what's going to happen to me. I think give it a few years and I'm going to be sitting here and I'm going to be standing up for what I believe in. And at that point, everyone will have moved in a different direction. They'll say, what a, what a loser, what a maniac. And then I'll have no views and no viewers and everyone will think I'm nuts. And so be it. Just absolutely so be it. Because I've heard from people that even I respect who have said things like, did you see what Dave Rubin said? And I'll be like, oh, what did he say? He made a comment about, you know, this, that or otherwise. And I'll be like, what? Dave Rubin really said that? And they'll be like, yeah. 
And I'm like, where did you hear that? Did you, were you, was it on his show? And like, well, I saw a clip online. And I go, you saw a clip online. So, you know, I just, I just can't stand it, man, that people would fall for this stuff. But this is why they do it. When they come out and they accuse someone of being crazy and a Nazi, yo, how many people believe the insane lies about Marjorie Taylor Greene? So many people. And Steve Bannon. Truth be told, one of the craziest things to me is that we have Steve Bannon on Timcast IRL, and there were people like, wow, I thought this guy was like far right or whatever. He just sounds like a regular working class guy. He said, tax the rich over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, he's a populist. He th- you know, Steve thinks he's far right in a certain sense, but he's not. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He was like, we got to tax the rich, man. They're ripping us off. And I'm like, yeah, that's like a lefty position. You're like lib center or something like that. And then you have uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. A lot of people are like, wow, I didn't realize, you know, who she actually was and what she believed. And I'm like, come on, guys. To all of you who watch shows like mine, at a certain point, you, you're very skeptical of the lies about many people, right? Because I certainly am. And, uh, and I still get criticized for wrongly framing certain people's positions or beliefs. I try to make sure that I don't assume or interpret someone's ideas like we know what they're actually saying and espousing. It's a weird world the left lives in where they're like, people hold secret beliefs they don't share. It's like, well, then who cares? If there's a dude who's a Nazi, but he quite literally will never espouse anything in favor of Nazism, then I don't, I, that I got whatever, then he's not, adver- adver- he's not advocating for his cause. What, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, but he's trying to make a gateway or whatever. It's like, dude, the Republicans come out and the worst thing they have to bring up is that they question her, her uh, um, rulings. Now, many federal judge have issued similar rulings for sure, but this is the game they're playing, smearing her record. Mr. Graham also attacked Judge Jackson for her work defending Guantanamo Bay detainees. I disagree with that, actually. I think Lindsey Graham is terrible. Acknowledging that no one should judge her for representing unpopular defendants or advocating zealously for her clients and then proceeding to do just that. That's stupid. Marsha Blackburn used much of her time assailing those concerned about the transgender people. Uh, She asked her if she could define the word woman. Here's the issue, man. We wonder why it is the Democrats lie so often, the media lies so often. And I say, certainly at a point, people just don't believe it anymore. But the truth is, we all believe it. We do. We fall for it half the time because we can't believe it's always fake. Certainly, there are many people who don't believe any of it and they end up falling into traps in the other direction, conspiracy theories and you know nonsensical stories. But truth be told, regular people, even people I know and trust, will fall for the fake news. How do you cut through it? I don't know, man. I do know that Republicans are pathetic and weak for the most part. Look, I think Josh Hawley does a good job fighting more so than most Republicans, but I think he should have gone a lot harder. I certainly would have. I'd be like, judge, can you define the word woman for me? No. Are you not a woman? Then why do you think you are? You don't know? Wow. I would come out right and say it. Ma'am, if you don't know what a woman is, you are incompetent and incapable of being a judge. If you want to play these games, if you want to say that legislature should be defining these terms, we also have a very serious problem because then you get a woke legislature and you know, you get a majority Democrat house or whatever. They pass a bill and it says a woman is whatever we want it to be. So it's, it's just the same problem with extra steps. No, what we need are people of sound conscience, uh, conscience, uh, conscience and uh, objective reality who can say 
woman. Yes, adult human female. Now, there are uh, cultural debates. I mean, simply she could have said, well, uh, the dictionary would define a woman as an adult human female, as would the encyclopedia. Of course, there is a debate uh, among conservatives and progressives over what it means to be a woman, with progressives having more vague or nebulous ideas of womanhood as a social construct. Uh, That whole argument, though, would be something to be hashed out between two parties. Suffice it to say, the current known definition in modern society is just adult human female, whether you agree with it or not. That's reality. You can't say it. Well, then you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be a judge. Have a single one of these just people just come out and been. You're incompetent. You can leave. I mean, if it were me, and and then you've got hashtag GOP racist trending. I'm like, dude, this is this is why I never want to be in politics, man. I just I just don't want to do it because the reason politics is the way it is is because so many people don't pay attention, and because they don't pay attention either by choice or by inability, then you'll end up with the Democratic Party. Trust me and I'll fight. Fight, you know, be a part of our tribe and our tribe will win. Republicans try and play this game of like, here's a fact. Here's my moral position. Democrats play this game where it's like, are you part of our group? Okay, then just advocate for us no matter what. Republicans do that sometimes, but, you know, not for the most part. I would love for one of these Republicans just to be like, with all due respect, Judge Katanji Brown. I mean, let me, let me pause. I actually said before she seemed competent and capable. And, you know, I was like, I got nothing to say right now. And then we saw, can you define what a woman is? No. So good on the Republicans for at least going that far. But how come they couldn't actually get the job done? I mean, I just whatever, man, these people. I'm, you guys know me. <clears throat> I was arguing with Elijah last night. I'll have people arguing in the chat being like, Tim, you're wrong about something. And I'll be like, yeah, well, so be it. I'm going to I stand by what I believe. If uh, no one's going to sway me from my opinion, if I was sitting up there, I'd be like, Judge Brown Jackson, you are incompetent and incapable of being a judge if you cannot define the word woman. If you as a human being are set to to uh, only a few minutes after she said she couldn't define woman. She then spoke about Roe v. Wade and was like, Roe v. Wade guarantees the uh, right of a woman to terminate her pregnancy. How can you use a word if you don't know what it means? Yeah. Republicans need to just be like, ma'am, Roe v. Wade is a very serious Supreme Court issue. There are many prominent issues on defending the rights of women. Now, if you want to talk about trans women or uh, uh, biological females, whatever, if you can't define the word, how will you defend anyone. How will you defend the Constitution? You can't. It's impossible. How do we have equality under the law if you can't differentiate between men and women? So, Judge Brown, that is incompetence. And quite honestly, I think she can define the word. I think the issue is she's spineless and ideologically driven. You can't say the thing that would offend anybody. So what a terrible nomination. What a terrible administration. Republicans are no better. Our country is a cesspool of uh, swampy monsters. Trump was barely better. The reason Trump was better was because at least he was the bull in the ivory tower smashing things up. But for, you know, you don't want a bull leading your country. A bunch of corrupt people are out for themselves. They're doing things for themselves. And that's what you get. Corrupt people doing corrupt things. Whatever, man. It is what it is, I suppose. So I'll leave it there. I have no faith in the Republican Party going into November. Please vote in your primaries and your local elections. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.